the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome into the show. I'm your host this hour, Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner. Standing for Rob as we switch things around every once in a while on a Friday. Let's talk a little bit about retirement planning and really protecting yourself because some news this week, and we kind of knew it was coming. The fiduciary rule is dead. And there's some good and some bad in that because the rule itself was a little bit flawed because I think too many uh, lobbyists got involved and made made it too easy for people to still do things incorrectly when it comes to retirement planning. But to give you a little bit of background on this, the Department of Labor, not the SEC, not FINRA, not anybody else that really governs investment advisors, but the Department of Labor was so worried about what people were doing with their 401k rollovers, they implemented the fiduciary rule. Prior to Obama leaving office, they basically put it out there and said, hey, no more garbage commission-based products in 401ks. You know you've been sold a pile of garbage if you're 40 years old and you have an annuity. I can't think of a single reason why a 40-year-old would need an annuity. Not one reason. You don't need annuities when interest rates are high at all. People that need annuities when interest rates are low like they are right now, might be you know close to retirement or in retirement, and they need kind of a bond alternative, and there's only about four or five good ones out there. The rest of them are garbage, because the internal fees in these annuities that these insurance people are trying to get you to roll your 401k over into, the internal fees are 25 to 4%, and they earn a big fat 7 to 10% commission on the front end, and they don't help you anymore, because they got to go find the next sucker to sell to. So the Department of Labor were like, okay, people are so far behind in retirement, it's an epidemic in America. I mean, seriously, you've got people that are 50 years old driving Teslas and Beamers, living in a super fancy house with a hundred grand in their 401k. It's, I mean, it, it's a problem. People aren't willing to give up a little bit now to save for retirement. And then if you couple that with the idea that when they do switch jobs, some jerk is going to put a 40 or a 50-year-old into a super high-fee, expensive, variable annuity that has all these smoke and mirror guarantees. So the Department of Labor said, enough is enough. We're going to create the fiduciary rule. And changes in the industry started to occur right away. Big banks and brokerage firms like J.P. Morgan said, okay, no more commission-based products in retirement accounts. And things started to kind of lean the right way, where more disclosure on fees, instead of being, you know, paying fees with hidden commission-based products, go to a fee-only advisor that will charge you a flat fee, an hourly fee, or a fee based on what they manage for you, so that you can clearly see what you're paying. But that wasn't what was happening. People were rolling into variable annuities or A-share, or B-share, or C-share, even worse, mutual funds. 
where there's hidden fees for a long, long period of time. But the Fifth Circuit Court or whatever it was, it basically killed the DOL rule. Um, so starting from scratch and the SEC FINRA, SEC is way understaffed. I feel sorry for those guys because they can basically just barely have enough funding to go after firms that are doing things wrong after it's found out versus prevention. They just are way understaffed. Um, SEC, FINRA, that's kind of the governing bodies need to create the, the, the fiduciary rule. So how do you protect yourself now? The first thing you do is ask how this person gets paid. Can you put it in writing that you're a fiduciary? In other words, you have to give the advice to me that's in my best interest rather than, hey, you need to pay for your kid's braces this month or your kid's college tuition this year. So you have to work with people that are very clear and it can explain the fee structure. I can't tell you how often. I've been in this business for 24 years. And people just don't know what they're paying. They don't know what their fee structure is. They don't know what the costs of the insurance product that they just own. You have to really be aware of that because, you know, 1% a year on hundred grand, that's $1,000 a year that could be back into your pocket or 2000 or 3000 a year in the case of variable annuities. So watch out. The, the fiduciary rule is dead. Um, and there'll be other rules that are implemented, but you know, you can't depend on the government to take care of you. You can't depend on the government to take care of your retirement or to watch out for you. And we're behind because there's other countries are way ahead of the United States in terms of regulating people that call themselves investment advisors, but they're really commission-based insurance people. Um, UK especially is way ahead of us. So it's up to you to protect yourself. Be careful out there. Uh, speaking of protecting yourself, Social Security is not going to be there for you in retirement the way you think it is. It's just not. I mean, if again, if you're really under about 50 years old and you're running your financial planning projections, assuming Social Security is going to be there, I don't think it will be. What we do as advisors in my company, we say, look, taxes are so historically low right now, and based on the, the government's willing to have ability to pay for Social Security in the long run, um, it will be any Social Security, if it's there, will be replaced by higher taxes, in my opinion. Most of these tax cuts that we see now will expire in 2026 unless the economy grows at three and a half, four percent plus. I hope it does. It'd be great. I'd love it. But we have to fix the way that things are paid for and cut some of the fat out there. According to the Senior Citizens League, Social Security cost of living adjustments, called COLAs, C-O-L-A, cost of living adjustments, they've failed dramatically to live up to their name. And this is funny because the Senior Citizens League sounds like a um, slow pitch, really, really slow pitch softball team, right? I think I'm a I'm going to start a softball team called the Senior Citizens League, but they're a nonpartisan organization whose mission is to protect Social Security and Medicare benefits. Um, basically, what's happened is Social Security benefits have lost 34% of their buying its buying power between 2000 and 2018. During those 18 years, COLA, the cost of living adjustments in Social Security, they went up 46%. But look, the issue is, is that Medicare Part B has gone up even faster. So even this year, when the cost of living increased, benefits 2% more than any other year since 2011, the, annual, the average senior citizen was, less, was left with less than 
additional dollars in their pocket after paying for that increased cost of Medicare Part B. Medicare Part A you pay for, then you still get Medicare Part B, which you, I'm sorry, Medicare Part A is free, Medicare Part B you pay for, and then you get supplemental insurance on top of that. So, hmm, maybe maybe Trump's plan for revamping the government, draining the swamp, I guess you could say, um, will help cut some costs, save Social Security, who knows? A little bit crazy right now um, in terms of plans that are being spoken of. Trump is calling for the, com- the combining the education department and the labor department in a revamp. Meanwhile, the House GOP's 2019 budget plan includes partial privatization of Medicare. Um, lots of changes going on there. A couple other good financial news stories out there for your future. Fidelity cutting their target date fund fees because competition is heating up. Investing is, seriously, it's about 20% of the cost today in a mutual fund than it was when I got in the business 24 years ago. So much cheaper. I'll talk a little bit more about target date funds and where you want to use them and where you don't want to use them. Coming back after the break, if you want to shoot me an email, if you've got a question for the show, chat at chadburton.com. Sign up for the event Rob and I are doing next Thursday in Palo Alto, Retirement Income Strategies. Rob Black has a financial interest in the success of New Focus Financial. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. And don't forget the weeknight replay at 7. Welcome back into the show. I'm your host today, Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner. Rob and I will be together next Thursday evening, 6.30 p.m. in Palo Alto, 10 Pillars Retirement Income Planning. So if you are you know, within 10 years from retirement or in retirement and you're trying to figure out which accounts do I draw from first, how do taxes affect retirement, what's the best tax strategy, um, what's, how do you determine what asset allocation should look like, how long is my money going to last, what's health insurance costs, what are other costs of retirement that you might not be thinking about, 10 key items that you need to have a plan for in retirement. If you if you can't tell somebody what your strategy is for these key items, you're not ready to retire or you need a second opinion big time. So make sure you sign up for that. Palo Alto always fills up quickly. You can go to chadburton.com or newfocusfinancial.com to sign up. If you have not been to an event before, the code to get in for free for your first one is Radio 25. Speaking of retirement, I was talking about Fidelity cutting some fees on their retirement date funds. Now, Fidelity was also under some kind of one of their funds, one of their target retirement date funds was down so much more than the market earlier in the year um, because it was taking on a lot more equity exposure than other target date funds, which paid off for the previous years, but then it underperformed the majority of their peers because of the extra risk. So sometimes, not only do individuals go out too far on the risk curve, sometimes companies do too. But with that said, they're doing something good for you. They're cutting some of the fees on the target retirement date funds. Now, who do I like these funds for? Number one, I only like them in retirement accounts because they're not tax efficient at all. They're not good investments for your taxable accounts because they change their allocation over time and they use taxable bonds. So not a good idea for your non-retirement accounts. But if you're trying to say, hey, I need to put you know, 2000 to 5500 bucks into a Roth IRA, or I have no idea what to do in my 401k because I'm 25 years old and I don't want to 
figure out what to have to research and how to rebalance my portfolio, target retirement date funds do it for you. You make one investment, it's diversified across large cap, small cap, mid cap, international, emerging market, and some bonds. You pick the date that you think you're going to retire, you go for that date, and as you age, it becomes more and more conservative. But I typically don't like the bond choices in these target date funds, so I don't typically like them for people over about the age of 50 that have already saved quite a bit of money. Um, because a lot of times, too, in the past, they were index bond funds. And I like index funds for large cap and mid cap US stock exposure, little tiny bit of small cap. And I like managed funds for most other things, especially in bonds when you're in the toughest bond environment that I've ever seen, where interest rates are very, very low. The Fed's raising rates, but the short end of the curve is going up. Long end of the curve isn't moving that much. The flattening yield curve. That's a tough time to be a bond investor, and it's not a time where I think you want to be in just an index. You got to be smarter. Got to be smarter than that. What's that State Farm commercial? Maybe Mike can find that, producer Mike. Um, so, Fidelity Fund's cutting fees on some of the 401ks. They're adding a mix now of index and managed, and that's really how I kind of like to do it. I don't like to be put in a box and say, I'm only an index investor, or I'm only a managed fund investor, or, I'm only an individual stock picker. We actually do individual stocks for large cap companies that are dividend achievers. Then we add in some indexes around the large and mid cap space, and then we go out and find the best managers we can for the small cap international emerging market. So we merge kind of all three strategies into one place to create the right portfolio for portfolios that are over say 500,000. We don't pick individual stocks for portfolios that are under 500,000. It just doesn't make sense. You don't get enough diversification. Um, and you should be doing the same thing. If you're interested in individual stocks, that's fine, but I don't think there's a point until you have well over 250 grand. It just it's just not going to really get you anywhere, but maybe what what it actually will do is cause you to be an emotional investor. That's what I see people do. They get a couple of stock picks right. And they start saving, which is good, but then they start becoming an emotional investor. Following too much the ups and the downs of the stock versus the longer-term strategy that the company has. Trying to find entry and exit points. Then starting to listen to shows that say, oh, if you read the chart the right way, you'll know when to get in and get out. And then you just have a problem. Now, I want to get to an email. This is a really long email, so I'm not going to read it to you on the air, but essentially it was, got mail. it was a question from a, a guy who he and his wife were, and I'm going to hit this a little bit more later in the show too, trying to find out savings options for the self-employed. And if you are self-employed out there, and I'm talking about sole proprietor, a husband and wife, if you're using a SEP IRA, you should probably switch to an individual 401k. Because an individual 401k is basically a SEP IRA on steroids. That's kind of how I look at it. The, the individual 401k allows a person to do the same contribution that they can do in a SEP IRA, but if their income is typically you know, under kind of the $300,000 range, it's better because it also allows a deferral of income on top of the profit share portion that the SEP gives you. So if you're self-employed, pay attention. If you've been using a SEP IRA, for a long period of time, unless your income is, say, kind of well over the 250 range consistently, an individual 401k is typically better. Not only will it allow you to do more because of the deferral portion, 
but it'll allow you to also create a Roth 401k. You can, for example, put in your deferrals into the Roth side of the individual 401k and the profit share portion that you used to be doing in a SEP into the regular side of the 401k. Sounds a little bit confusing, but look, the other thing it does is allows a high income earner to do a backdoor Roth IRA. So if you make too much money, over the 185 or so range, 189 range or so, married, finally, jointly, you're not allowed to do a Roth contribution, a Roth IRA. You just can't do it. But you can do it in an individual 401k, or you can roll your IRAs into your individual 401k and then do the backdoor Roth IRA. What's a backdoor Roth IRA? Well, it's when you make a non-deductible contribution to an IRA and then you turn around and convert it to a Roth. And as long as you don't have any other IRAs or SEP IRAs out there, you can do that without paying taxes. So it's a pretty good way around the income limits. Um, the other thing that the individual 401k will allow is just the ability to consolidate other accounts, the ability to have your spouse on if you both work within the business. The only drawback is that when you get over 250000 in an individual 401k, you have to file an extra tax form. It's not that expensive per year. It's really worth the benefits. So if you are self-employed and you've been funding a SEP over and over again each and every year, I run into enrolled agents, tax advisors all the time that don't really get the difference between the two. And so email me, chat at chadburton.com, and I can kind of tell you, walk you through whether or not an individual 401k is going to be better than a SEP IRA for you. Again, that's chat at chadburton.com. Go to chadburton.com. You can sign up for the event that Rob Black and I are doing next Thursday evening, 10 Pillars Retirement Income Strategy. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. Rob Black has a financial interest in the success of New Focus Financial. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back into the show. I'm your host today, Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner. Want to reach me, send me an email question, find out about my team of Certified Financial Planner practitioners. Go to chadburton.com, newfocusfinancial.com. Either one goes to the same spot. And shoot me an email question or sign up for the event next Thursday. Rob Black and I are doing together. Tim Pillars Retirement Income. And here's a couple of um, interesting retirement mistakes. I mean, there's the retirement mistakes that Rob and I always talk about, which is the biggest one is just waiting to save. So many examples that you can go through for why it puts you so far behind when you put off saving for retirement. Or if you're driving down the road right now, and you're not putting 10% in your 401k, but you have a Starbucks or a Pete's, or in my case, it would be a Phil's coffee in one hand, and then you're you know, driving your Tesla or your BMW or whatever, and you're putting more money into those two items on a monthly basis than your retirement, you're probably going to be broke when you're 70. You're probably going to want somebody else to take care of you, and you probably will realize then that you should have given up a little bit now in order to save for retirement. But there's other retirement planning mistakes besides that, besides us just guilting you into the idea that you need to save and take care of yourself. Um, Kiplinger's had an interesting article on it, so I'll put in a couple that they have, because there's always a lot of retirement mistakes articles out there. But Kiplinger's, which is a great magazine. It could be Kiplinger's. I don't know. Kiplinger's. I always mispronounce everything, but relocating on a whim. This has become a big one lately, especially with people in the Bay Area. 
And what I mean by that is that people just assume that once they retire in the Bay Area, it's just way too expensive to live in the Bay Area. And it can be, unless you're a person that's lived in your home for a long period of time, you don't have a mortgage, and you're at Prop 13, extremely low property taxes. There's different ways that your state return works, where a lot of retirees have a decent income, and they're really their true effective state bracket is only around 6%. And as soon as they move out of state, they go into a state where they're going to pay much more in property taxes. So before a Bay Area resident moves away, I would suggest, unless you know, there's no way you can afford your retirement unless you sell your Bay Area home and move. That's a different story. But if it's purely for the income tax reason, you have to do some careful planning first. You might not pay as much taxes. If you do your income planning right, and it's only purely talking about the state income taxes, then, then you really need to be very, very careful. There's this there's this new uh, term that Kiplinger's came up with called halfback retirees, where people, especially in the north, are moving south, and then they can't handle it, and they move back. They were talking about this couple that moved from northern Virginia down to Savannah, Georgia, for their retirement. They thought they were going to love it a lot better. They would, I guess, vacation there, had family there. I don't know what it was. But it didn't matter because luckily they just rented for a while because they got down there and they just didn't like it. It was it was too hot. The um, you know they're from Northern Virginia. You know, get it done now kind of temperament Kiplinger's talk about versus the more laid back version of life. So they couldn't quite get into the culture. They couldn't quite get into the heat issues, and they moved halfway back between Northern Virginia and Savannah. So take a while. If you know you need to move, that's fine. If you know you need to sell your Bay Area house in the next three to five years in order to afford retirement, well, you know where prices are now, right? You don't know where they're going to be in three years. We could be at the bottom of the next cycle then. Who knows? So what you do is go ahead and take the gains off the table, put the for sale sign in your front yard, but rent for a while. Figure out where you want to be. Um, Go If you think you want to have two residences, maybe I see this all the time because we have an office in Vancouver, Washington, which is right across the Columbia River from Portland, Oregon. And a lot of people, especially Napa area, think, oh, I'm going to sell there and I'm going to move to Washington, pay no state income taxes, and still uh, you know, grow some grapes for my wine. But then they can't handle September, October, November, December when it rains constantly in the Northwest, which I love because I know it's always snowing on the mountain. It doesn't bother me at all. It's because that's where I'm from. But most people in the Bay Area that are used to that sunshine, they can't handle it. So they typically, the people that do it successfully typically have two residents. They, they get rid of their super expensive Bay Area home and they buy two small homes. One in a no-tax state that's sunny all the time, but too hot in the summer. And in the summer, you cannot beat the Northwest summers between pretty much now and the end of August. Just gorgeous, especially Columbia River area. Um, you know, between Oregon and Washington, unreal, but it's tough in the fall. I don't know how people live there unless they're really into going to the mountain and snowboarding and skiing during the winter. So it's that halfbacks issue. So a couple other retirement stakes out there, uh, falling for too good to be true investments. Now, if you're working with an investment advisor, you know, you get a problem unless they're 
they're saying that your accounts are going to be held at TD Ameritrade, Fidelity, Schwab, or some of the big firms out there. As soon as you're writing the check to the investment firm, you're, you're probably in something that could be too good to be true. Trust deed investments, um, anything that promises, oh, you get a great 8% rate of return. Really, right now, it's anything over a, a steady 6% rate of return. Falling for good, too good to be true investments. There's hidden risks that people don't tell you about. When you use an investment advisor, let's say New Focus Financial, for example, we use TD Ameritrade. That's where your accounts are actually held and custody. That's where you get the paperwork from. That's who's doing the the books and records. We're just authorized to in, trade the account on your behalf. That's it. So you have a buffer in between you and the investment advisor. Ponzi schemes like Bernie Madoff, they were also the brokerage firm. They were also the custodian. So you were writing the check to them. They were printing the statements off and they were fake. So be careful if too good to be true. It probably is. It's true in investing all the time. And make sure there's a custodian like a TD Ameritrade, which is my favorite, Schwab, Fidelity, something like that. I'd say Scott Trade too, but TD Ameritrade just bought them. So um, the FTC always talks about it. Always, when you, whenever you hear about it, it's just as easy as Google the investment as well as scam or review. For example, private REITs, private real estate investment trusts that certain radio host, show hosts that are now no longer on the air talked about all the time as bonds on steroids. Very disappointing investment. Uh, lots of complaints, lots of hidden fees. Too good to be true. There you go. Timeshares is another one that's out there that retirees get involved with that waste a ton of money. Um, you know, unless you're a person that vacations in the same exact spot at the same exact time every single year, and you don't want any variety, and you're able to book your trips 14 months in advance because you can plan out your life that well, then fine, go for it. I can't plan a trip 14 months in advance. I got four kids and a business to run. I don't know what soccer tournaments are going to be when, and you know, I'd rather have the freedom to say, oh, it's, it's wintertime. You know, who's getting snow this week? <laughs> go find the snow. Timeshares are terrible. And big ones, too, that's happening with retirees all the time is lending money to relatives for ridiculous business ideas. This is happening all the time, especially restaurants and coffee shops. If you have somebody that comes to you and like, oh, I want to start a coffee shop and sell avocado toast. Oh, really? That's a brand new idea that has high profit margins. I was going to make espresso. Oh, my gosh. That's just the, the, the most annoying one out there. The other thing, too, is that retirees will invest in their kids or their, um, you know, somebody that they know their startup and they'll, Oh, friend and family round. And they get, they invest in this first round of a startup pre IPO right off the ground. And they don't realize that this is going to be a situation where they're going to come back to you three or four times round two, three, four, whatever. And that unless you continue to invest in that startup, every time they come back to around your shares, are going to be so diluted by the end of the game, you'll have very little invested in the company and the majority of them will fail. And most people don't have enough to retire in the first place, let alone to invest in your kids or grandkids startup. So be very, very careful there. And a lot of times elder, uh, people that are, you know, baby boomers now are enabling their children they don't cut them off. 
they continue to pay for stuff post-college, whether it's cars or whatever. You got to cut those kids off and make them stand on their own feet. People are ruining their retirement because they keep bailing their kids out. A lot of people are taking Social Security way too soon and then living past age 80. They're taking the wrong pension choices so that when they die, their spouse is left with very little or nothing. Um, other ones that I'd add to that that aren't the traditional not saving enough or retiring too soon, people that have an old computer, computers that are over three years old that are no longer supported, they're still using Internet Explorer, and they're getting hacked and spending tons of time dealing with identity theft problems, people that don't shred their documents, um, not reorganizing your insurance, especially life insurance. People that bought permanent life insurance policies as investments years and years ago. So they're sitting on these life insurance policies and maybe it's, you know, they got 200,000 in cash value and only 300,000 of insurance. That's a horrible deal. You should actually be able to 1035 exchange that insurance product and use that 200,000 to get way more life insurance and be able to use that life insurance early before you die to pay for things like nursing home costs. The life insurance industry is changing because the long-term care insurance industry is failing. So you need to reorganize your insurance. Really pay attention to what you're paying for and what you're getting out of it. Rob Black has a financial interest in the success of New Focus Financial. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. Welcome back into the show. I am your host today, Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner. You can find out more about me and my team. Just go to chadburton.com or newfocusfinancial.com. Right? While you're there, you can sign up for the event that Rob Black and I are doing together Thursday evening, next Thursday, 28th, at uh, 6.30 p.m. in Palo Alto. It's 10 Pillars of Retirement Income Planning. And uh, so 10 key things you got to have a plan for all the way from knowing what your expenses are to which accounts to draw from first, Roth conversions, fighting the tax trap that 401ks can become if you don't do your planning right. We'll talk a little bit about mistakes, too, like I was talking about last segment. One of the big mistakes out there, too, that we see more and more, I have to talk people out of this all the time, is depending on relatives for their retirement plan. It is, seriously, it's, it's like people think mom and dad have a ton of money. And so I'll be okay. Maybe I'll only save 5% because I think I'll have a big inheritance for mom or dad. Well, you better hope mom or dad have long-term care insurance because recent 2017 Genworth study or survey found that the national median cost of assisted living is $45,000 a year. Assisted living is where you go in and there's somebody there if you need help. In the Bay Area, that's going to be about 70 grand a year. If you want a private nursing home room, so in other words, you get older and you need care around the clock, the average medium cost out there for the nation is 97455 That's well over one hundred and twenty grand a year in the Bay Area. So if you have all of your normal expenses for the well spouse, plus all of these extra 100000 a year plus expenses for the spouse that's in a nursing home, that nest egg can be wiped out really, really quick. Medicare doesn't come in at all on this. Medi-Cal comes into play only if the couple spends down all their assets to poverty level or they do some elder law planning, which is a whole other segment. So there's some spousal impoverishment laws to help protect the spouse, but not the kids. So if you're a kid, depending on your parents for retirement plan, you know, get off the couch, get a job, 
Maybe your first investment is improving your abilities. So there's people that listen to financial radio and financial shows that think, oh, I'll find some sort of investment scheme. I'll learn how to read charts. I'll learn how to buy or sell options. And that's how I'm going to get wealthy. Mm, No, maybe you should invest in your future and your ability to earn more money so you can save more money. That's going to be your best next investment versus buying the right stock or option strategy. All right, let me try to get to this email question real quick. Chad, the business I started with my spouse is finally making enough money for us to consider leaving our normal jobs. Should we incorporate? Should we each take a salary or should only one of us take a salary due to self-employment tax? That's a great question and we get this all the time because look, when people go self-employed, they don't realize that they have to make about 30% more than when they were working with somebody else because of FICA, which is self-employment tax where you're paying you know, 12.4 plus percent of your income before anything else to Social Security. So it's FICA or self-employment tax. Uh, plus you lose all the benefits. So you have to be able to make 30% more in order to be at the same level. So that's the first thing to understand. FICA, that self-employment tax, only goes up to a certain amount. It starts to go away after about 130 grand. So sometimes a husband and wife will say, well, let's just pay everything to the husband or everything to the wife so that only one of us pays FICA. Well, you can really get in trouble for that. So if you get audited and they find out that the spouse that you're not paying has material participation in the business, then you can run into a real problem with the IRS. And you could owe years of back taxes and FICA and things like that. So you have to be very, very careful and be legit when you're both working in the business. So how do you set it up? Well, first of all, ask this is an, ask your tax advisor about qualified joint venture for spouses and how that works. But it's really true for anybody that starts to go self-employed. It's the idea of, do I just become a sole proprietor where I have a business name? And then on your tax return, all you do is you file a Schedule C on your normal tax return that shows your income minus expenses. And it's pretty simple. You can create an LLC and still file on your Schedule C. So an LLC is the next option. And then you go, "Mm, well, maybe I'm making a lot of money or I want to do this strategy where I take some as wages and some as a dividend distribution and and avoid some FICA. And you can either do an S-corp tax election on your LLC or just do an S-corp. So it can get pretty confusing. But first of all, before you pay for going into a corporation where you right away have an extra fee for the state of California and you complicate your life a little bit, you got to say, what are my goals here? Because if you incorporate, you can pay less self-employment taxes if you do a wage plus a dividend, but you actually put yourself in a situation where you can save less into a retirement account. So when you're self-employed, what is your main goal? To save as much as you can for retirement? to maximize your family's current cash flow and pay the least amount of taxes or a combination of the two. You have to have that clear in your mind before you ask for the professional advice. Because sometimes when you're asking for the professional advice, you got to realize that your CPA is going to make more money if you have a, 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 an S-corp tax return along with your normal return. The attorney is going to make more money if you do the uh, documents to do an LLC or an S-corp. So you have to have a clear strategy. That's why you know having a certified financial planner that knows about taxes, insurance, retirement planning, estate planning, investing is key to make all these professionals work together. That's what a good financial advisor is supposed to do. Not just investments, but everything else along with it. 
So keep that in mind before you just go out and say, oh, I'm starting a business. I'm going to go ahead and incorporate right away. A lot of times that doesn't actually decrease your liability. All it's going to do is complicate your life, create an extra tax return, and do something that you don't quite understand yet. So you don't need to rush out and incorporate if you're self-employed. Get some advice first. Thanks for listening. Please tell a friend about the show. You can find me at chadburton.com or newfocusfinancial.com, where you can sign up for the event next Thursday, 6.30, 10 Pillars Retirement Income Planning, Chad Burton and Rob Black. Have a great weekend, everyone. Rob Black has a financial interest in the success of New Focus Financial. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.